is this dagger I see before me. Handle towards my hand. Come, let me clutch thee. I have thee not, and yet I see thee still. Art thou not fatal vision, sensible to feeling as to sight? Or art thou but a dagger of the mind? A false creation proceeding from the heat oppressive brain. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to what was once the unnamed podcast, but is now Planet Paradox. Ooh boy. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a free form, no holds barred comedic podcast that covers the juiciest, thickest of topics. Topics such as current trends, internet culture, music, video games, weed dreams, spooky occurrences, and so much more. There's truly no rhyme or rhythm to it, and that's just how we like it. So sit back, don't take it seriously, and enjoy. Once again, I am joined by Gilgamesh and Ryan Lyon. Good afternoon, fellas. Ahoy. Hey, Paradox. How you doing today, brother? I am doing fantastic. Um, Happy to be back for our second episode. How do you guys feel about uh, the first episode? It was pretty awesome, honestly. I, th- I feel like we did a great job for a first time recording. Um, it was a fun time, and um, I look forward to doing it again, honestly. Not too bad for some first-timers, right? Yeah, man. I, I think that it was fun, and that's all that really matters to me. So as long as this is still fun and people who are listening think it's fun, I'm down to keep going. <laughs> exactly. I had a blast myself, too. And this time, I think I'm going to have way more of a blast because I'm actually drinking some beer. Uh, what are you fellas sipping on and or smoking this evening? Cheers. Yeah, salute. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, we're drinking some Doug for Doug Ferocious. It's called a Double India IPA. This is some spicy ass beer. It's coming in at eight point seven percent. It's fucking definitely getting us feeling some type of way. I think it's worth mentioning the brewing company is named Gilgamesh Brewing. Happens to be one of my favorite local <laughs> breweries because they're designed for poor people who want to get drunk fast. So and you know it's my style of brewing company. I feel like such a bitch because my beer is only four point five percent alcohol. So you know. We're just doubling up here, man. Double kill. Doubling up. Got to get it over with quick. But uh, I'm actually sipping on an Ice Cold Soul, which, if you don't know, is a Mexican beer. Oddly enough, brewed in Utah, but it's delicious. Oh, I love Soul, man. Yeah, Soul's proper. Yeah, it makes me feel Mexican. A lot more Mexican than I really am. Um, are you guys smoking any bud today? Dude, I got some Top Shelf. I got some Fire Fire. Does it have one of those fancy bud names? There's one called... Limonada. Whoa. The other one is called, um, let me see here, Citral Flow. I myself haven't smoked since January 11th. I completely forgot what it feels like to be blazed. I do remember that it tickled a little bit, though. What a nerd. I am such a fucking loser. <laughs> anyway, um, going back to the first episode, what are some things you guys learned from that experience? I think just as you said at the beginning of the last podcast, you know, bear with us because it's going to be a rough start and we're kind of finding our voice here. You know, we got to like not talk over each other and it's kind of hard when there's a lag on Discord, you know? Yeah, especially when you never shut the fuck up, dude. Okay, dude. Okay, dude. (laughs) First and foremost, I cannot stand my voice. There's not enough boom to it. Like, no, you're handsome sounding. Come on, dude. You're just saying that because we share the same blood, but... Compared to the soulful, chocolatey voice, my shit sounds like butter pecan, buddy. Oh, yeah. 
you know, baby, that's the thing. Everybody wants a different mix up in their flavors. Not everybody's a deep, rich, fudgy type lover, you know. They take it for granted, too. Um, I also learned that I got to basically deep throat my mic for the quality of my voice to stay good. Like, if I do anything like this, you could totally tell. Yeah, you're quieter. Yeah. Dude. Listening back to it, it it's kind of embarrassing, but it's, it's the good kind of embarrassing. Like, this shit needs to be done. Like, whenever I make a silly, funny video, I'm usually really embarrassed of it. But those are the ones that usually bang. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah. But um, you also said that your parents listened to our podcast and they didn't like the bit where you talked about your nutsack. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Um, our mom gave uh, Tim some feedback and she said that um, that was one of the major key points that she definitely didn't enjoy hearing about. Was um... Did not appreciate it. Dude, they need to grow up. That <laughs> nutsack came out of your dad's nutsack and then came out of your mom. What do they expect? <laughs> You're right, dude. It's like they're being prudes, honestly. It's just our it's our upbringing. We're very Catholic. Also, I do got some exciting news, gentlemen. We actually have a theme song in the works from one of my best friends, Derek, a.k.a. Tricked Up. You're listening to Tricked Up in the Mix. Dude, big, big ups. Honestly, he's, he's got a lot of progress going on. It sounds awesome so far, and I can't wait to see. Tricked and Trapped. Tricked and Trapped. Tricked and Wait till you hear this shit, dude. I told him that I wanted it to sound like uh, the Gus and Eddie theme song mixed with music to watch girls by. So it's going to come out fantastic. He, he gave me a short sample. And needless to say, I giggled a little bit. Me too, man. I, I, I'm feeling it. I love that, you know, we've got friends who are talented in a lot of different arts and crafts and that we can actually ask them to go and do things like that. It's really cool. Yeah, dude, and all it costed was $20, but you know what? My homie Trump hooked it up with the check, so I ain't tripping. Either way, speaking of the last episode, we spoke briefly about Ryan's craft, wire wrapping. Would you guys like to get into that? Oh, for sure. Yeah, man. Okay, first and foremost, Ryan, in regards to your wire wrapping, what inspired you to get into that? So it's probably been about six years now, um, probably about 2014. Um, my oldest brother, Matthew, um, took me out to a music festival in Tucson, Arizona. It's during February, which is um, Tucson Gem Month. Mm -hmm. That's basically the biggest gem fair in the entire world um, every year. And every motel all across town is filled with gemstone dealers. You can just go to each room and buy like badass opals that are like top quality yeah. or just basically any gemstone you can think of for a really good deal. But then there's a badass music festival happening for three days, too, with all, all kinds of crazy artists. It kind of uh, really blew my mind to be there. Um, we ended up, uh, we were in the parking lot of the venue. Um, my brother Matt busts out a bottle of uh, Jaeger. We start sipping on it in the parking lot, and then um, we dose up. Then we start walking into the venue, and um, everything's starting to get pretty wild as we walk into the gates. We, I remember we walked out and we were at like the art art installations mm -hmm. and we were looking at just like badass stuff. My brother bought me a hat. He brought he bought Tim this uh, badass wire wrapped ring. And at the stall where he bought it from, it was actually this badass artist, um, very well known in the wire wrap community, uh, Jason Burris. Oh yeah. We stopped at his booth and that's what got me into wire wraps. So basically, I just seen all these amazing top of the line wraps and it just blew my mind because I had never seen anything like it. Yeah, I'm sure he thought you guys were just going to a music festival, but the whole time your mind is being blown and he's completely altering your future. Yeah, and um, I had no idea who thinks that they're going to become a jeweler and um, make that their goal to do with their life. You know, that's kind of an interesting, obscure thing. Yeah, it's out there. Absolutely. And uh, these wire wraps, are they specific to this area or are they nationwide or even global? Do you know? 
Um, I would say probably um, global, but a little bit uh, underground still. It's starting to get more well-known lately. It seems like there's definitely a handful of uh, artists who've been doing it for like uh, 15 plus years, but um, those are limited people. And um, yeah, only lately it's starting to get well-known. Um, no, I have friends who are wire wrapping like in Australia and all different parts of the United Whoa. States, um, the UK. I've, I've had homies who I talked to from all those parts and um, they're, they're all um, getting down in their areas and I'm um, making it happen. So um, I think that it's definitely safe to say that it's definitely worldwide. So who are some of these people that you've collaborated with? Some of the people I've collaborated with, there's this really badass fabricator from Virginia named Quantum Travel Gear on Instagram. His name's Lonnie. Love the name. Um, Lonnie's a really cool dude. Um, he's really got some good visions going for him out there. He's making um, shit happen. He actually started this Telegram group, which is like an app where you just basically start a conversation with other people. And um, we got a bunch of rappers on, and fabricators in there, and we were all just talking and learning with each other. And um, I, I got in, involved with probably like 20 people that... I haven't collabed with all of them, but we're all just friends now that we follow each other. Kind of keep in touch and go over each other's work and maybe give each other some constructive criticism, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of, yeah, and inspire each other. Um, we were basically, it was like a group to help um, grow each other's following and um, interactions on Instagram and stuff, too, because we were all commenting on each other's posts and stuff. Mm hmm. But yeah, I've been wire wrapping about uh, six years now, and um, you know I'm I'm pretty good at the art side of it. I think I've made a long bit of progress um, with my work. But I finally made a friend who's really good at the business side of it, and his name is Itai over at Manifest Jewelry here in Portland. He has his own uh, store where he has it's basically by appointment only. So he has like jewelry for me and multiple other artists. And uh, you basically call them up, you go check out all the stuff, and um, you can buy something if you want, or just see what's going on. It's really exciting, man. From what I understand, you've actually sold some jewelry at certain events, is that correct? Yeah, I work at the Saturday Market a few weekends um, here in Portland. It's actually the largest open-air uh, market here in the United States of handcrafted uh, items. Basically, every single booth there is owned by the person who's running it, and that person makes everything that you see in their booth. So there's everything that you can imagine. There's, like, woodworking, like, there's furniture there. There's um, badass paintings, uh, jewelry, um, skincare products, that type of stuff, food, snacks, stuff like that. I, I probably did that for, like, four or five months, but um, then my schedule switched around, and I wasn't able to do that anymore. I love it. And I think if people actually went over to your Instagram and they see what you're working with, they too will love it. And if they don't, fuck them. You know what I mean? <laughs> I feel real quick, real quick. What are all the uh, different plugs for your different um, social media? On uh, Facebook, you can find me on Ryan Lion Wireworks. I have a group there. Um, I post my stuff there. Same thing for um, Instagram. I actually, I think my tag for Instagram and uh, Snapchat is Ryan Lion, at Ryan Lion. And you can follow me there, and I post previews of my work. Plus, you can always just check out what I have on my um, backlog on Instagram. So check it out, ladies and gentlemen. Speaking of Gem and Jam, you got me thinking about another music festival that both you and I attended back in the day called Baystar. Do you remember that? Man, how could I forget? That was actually my first music festival. Absolutely crazy, and I do plan on getting into that. But you did remind me of one little side story I wanted to get across you gentlemen, because you told me while you were at Gem and Jam, you were drinking Jaeger, right? Yep. Do you guys actually enjoy Jaeger? No. Actually, with the Red Bull, it's good. 
Pretty good, pretty good. But uh, let me tell you about my last experience that I had with Jaeger that made me realize, you know what? Maybe this just isn't for me. Uh, I went to a metal concert at Jake's in Lubbock, Texas. You're on that pig school shit. Yeah, Black Dahlia. Brutal. I went to this music festival with a couple, or not, it wasn't even a festival. It was just a show. And I went with some friends and uh, we were hanging out outside between sets. And uh, I was drunk already. I was sipping on God knows what. I was pretty much drinking whatever they gave me. And um, while we were chilling outside, everybody was smoking cigarettes and they were passing around a bottle of Jaeger, right? It's me and three of my good friends. And they're all in this circle with me, uh, with some other people that I don't even know. And, you know, they're passing the Jaeger around and I see it and I'm thinking, oh, that looks fucking disgusting. And it's coming closer to me. And so it eventually ends up in my hands, my sweaty, sweaty hands. And, you know, you can't look like a bitch, so you have to drink it. Am I right? Oh, yeah. So I just, I hit it. I hit it hard. I, I lean back and I take a huge sip. And while I'm doing that, dude, I just throw up. And I don't just throw up all over the place. I throw up into the bottle of Jaeger. And everyone's just watching me. So I put it down and I pass it to the next guy and I just leave. And as far as I know, they kept drinking it. Oh my fucking God. You're yes, a piece of shit. I'm certified. a piece of shit because one of my good friends who may be listening to this drink from that bottle, but Oh my God. Who was it? <laughs> it was Dan Dizzle. <laughs> oh my God. Damn. I look back you and disgust. At least. I owe him a lot more than that because that's fucking disgusting. Did he drink it after you? I passed it and I walked away, but he was the one that was next, so. Oh, no. Yeah, I really hope he didn't, but that motherfucker can drink, so most likely he uh, Is he going to learn about this when he listens? To we the need that intel. Well, he wants to be on this eventually, so maybe we'll talk to him then, and I'll, I'll come out and tell him. And Dude, you have to do an on-air apology, dude. An on-air apology in which he will most likely just give up on our friendship. But... I wanted to get that out of the way because Jaeger just reminds me of that disgusting moment. <laughs> and um, I promise I won't do anything like that anymore. However, I do want to go back to Baystar. Um, we've told you about Baystar, right, Tim? Yes. Well, for the listeners, Baystar was an independent music festival that took place deep in the mountains of Taos, New Mexico in 2012. An outdoor festival that included camping. Um, if you're not familiar with the area of Taos, it is a small town surrounded by a beautiful forest. I travel up there with my girlfriend and Record D, a.k.a. Derek, a.k.a. Tricked Up, and Bacon and Megs. We spoke to one of our homies for life, Slick, who gave us the directions. And when he gave us the directions, he said that uh, we had to take a sketchy dirt road that was, quote, littered with boulders. And I was like, boulders? Yeah, right. Listen, this motherfucker was not lying when he said boulders. I've never seen anything like that. The worst part is that when we went up there, we were in my girlfriend's brand new 2013 baby blue Hyundai Elantra, mint condition. Yeah, those roads were horrible, dude. It was inconceivable. Um, you're just having to like go left, right, left, right, fucking dodging all these boulders with a cliff right next to you that equaled certain death if you fell off it. And sometimes you had to get right there next to the edge to get past. 
Do you think it would have been doable if you had just dropped like four or five tabs of acid? <laughs> I think at that point we wouldn't give a fuck and we would have just plowed through. Trust me, we'll get there. The car would have been damaged, but who gives a fuck? We're tripping balls, am I right? <laughs> anyway, when we actually got there and settled in, it was beautiful. We became one with the wild wooks of the forest. The music was psychedelic. It echoed throughout the forest all day and all night. Do you remember that, Ronnie Pooh? Yeah, man. It was um, honestly a magical experience. That was just like one of the most wild times of my life, honestly. It was insanity and some. Uh, we had a little trouble setting up the tent. Mostly because none of us really had experience in doing so. <laughs> However, we did eventually get it set up on the side of a hill. So everything was slanted, thus increasing the overall trippiness. Besides that, it rained. Do you remember it raining? Yeah, man. I remember it raining. It made everything wet and soggy. I also had no service at all. So for three days, my family thought I was dead. Uh, were there any specific scenes or memories that you can recollect from that fateful weekend, Ronnie? Yeah, you know, um, I was there. Um, one of the friends that were there with us was our buddy, Ijita. And um, he um, was one of my tighter buddies growing up. I remember we were looking for uh, fungus. We were looking for some uh, trippy mushrooms. We uh, wandered around the campsites and we found this uh, girl who had uh, bright orange hair and her name was Walda. And um, she told us to meet her at her um, campsite a little bit later and um, that she would uh, be the hookup. So we we uh, ended up having to wander through the forest. And um, it was pretty sketchy um, because it was like through like this deep section of forest where there's no tents for a while. So we almost felt like we were getting lost. But then there was just like a tent by itself. Mm -hmm. And um, we got there and then Waldo was there with a couple dudes and they were just like chilling in the tent and stuff. And honestly, they were just some chill ass hippies. Um, they ended up just hooking it up really fat with some fungus and um, some weed too, actually some dank ass weed. We brought it back to all the homies. I think that's when everything started to get pretty weird. One side note though, uh, this was one of the first times that I actually got litty as fuck with Ryan. And um, it was crazy because some of the first times that we were hanging out, I was tripping balls on how similar we were. Like, obviously we were going to be similar because we were cousins, but it was like trippy, trippy, like almost doppelganger status. Like I felt like fucking killing you, dude. You know what I mean? What? <laughs> not literally, not literally, but you know how you're supposed to kill your doppelganger before they kill you. Mm. It's kind of how it was. But I remember just tripping out like, holy fuck, dude. Like for the longest time, I, I didn't see Ryan because he was too busy blossoming into the young adult that he was. But besides that, um, I do remember one specific scene that I'll never forget. We were exploring the forest, right? And um, we were going in pretty deep. And some mysterious Mexican dude comes running out from the shadows. He was even wearing a sombrero of some sort. But uh, he said, the aliens, they took my people. Do you know where they went? While I was speaking to him, I made eye contact with him. And all I saw was a void. This man was obviously in the middle of tripping balls. Um, so just to get him out of my face, I told him, I saw them go that way. And I pointed deeper into the forest, right? Yeah, and so he started to run off, but then shortly after, he turned back around and came back up to me again, and then he said, do you have any drugs? <laughs> and, and, so, and so I gave him a bump of K so we'd fuck off into the forest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And um, that same guy later drew a gun and threw me into a bad trip. But I'll get to that here in a bit. Whoa. <laughs> yes. He was he was kind of like the fuckhead of the whole fiesta. Like He was just causing trouble everywhere he went. But um, unfortunately, during Baystar, things turned south shortly after getting the party started. Uh, one of our good friends fainted in the middle of the forest and scared the shit out of all of us. We were so faded that we didn't know if we were underreacting or overreacting. It was a, it was a weird feeling. You know what I mean? We were just like, uh, is this bad? And then we're like, of course it's bad. But then we're like, but is it really? <laughs> Eventually, we decided it was best for uh, some of our friends to take her to the hospital in town. The thing is, when they took her, they took all the damn flashlights and left us in the pitch dark. The pitch blackness of the forest, dude. And I'm telling you, it was deep, bro. There were no lights. Like I said, it wasn't a, an official music festival. It was just thrown together by the homies. So it was pretty fucking crazy being out there in the forest and pitch blackness for the most part. We were literally having to like hop between campsites just to be around other people and be around light. I think I even remember like at one point we even started like camping out in the cars for a while because it was like freezing balls, huh? See, I never did that, but I do think I remember finding you guys in the car. See, that was an intelligent move on your end. Like, I was so far gone, I didn't even think of that. Plus, the car we came in, it was gone. You know what I mean? They took her to the hospital. Yeah. I, I will never forget the pitch blackness of the forest. And just, I remember hearing the freakiest sounds at night, but I wasn't sure if it was just in my own head or actually out there. And um, everyone left except for me and Derek, so it was just us while all the other homies were in a goddamn hotel living it up. Betrayal. I do remember one thing. Um, I remember that we had a picture of Squid, like a painting of him, and um, we were all partying with him as if he was there. Yeah, we did have a, a, a painting of Stilts, and um, I remember like having like a little campsite storytelling session with him. I also had my very first experience with DMT out there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I traded from this little dude named Alex, who was literally sleeping in a tent the size of a sleeping bag, just in the corner of the forest by himself. Um, this dude eventually tripped so hard that he ran off into the forest, claiming that he was being followed by the government and got hit by a semi-truck. Damn. Yeah, he survived, but I think he fucked his legs up. It was something that I'd never forget. And it was one of the first true adventures that I had with Riney Pooh. One of the many that we've had over time. Anyway, so that was based R. Um, no, I actually kind of want to hear about that guy pulling a gun as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let me go back into that. So it's late into the night, right? No service. No lights. Me and Derek are just kind of like, well, let's go into the little village they got going on and see what people are doing. And so we're out there and there's literally like a fire pit with just a bunch of hippies just sitting around it, all just laying in the mud, living it up. And um, there were some tents where they were selling art pieces. And so we decided to go check it out. And by this time, you know, we're tripping balls on DMT. We're fucking it up. It's the first time we're experiencing it. Hell yeah, we're going in. And while we're over at the art tent, the same Mexican dude who was searching for his people was having this argument with this other hippie guy. And all of a sudden, he pulls out a gun and points it in the air. And I look at it, and then I look at Derek, and we just run back to the tent site. Goddamn. Unbeknownst to us, this guy was a homie with everybody, so no one was really tripping out too hard about it. But we didn't know who the fuck he was, so we were tripping out about it. We eventually run back to the tent, 
And we're like, all right, well, fuck it. Let's just smoke some DMT in here and chill. So we're sitting there, and this is this is the last bit I got from Baystar, but we're sitting there, and I start to smoke it, right? And um, I take a deep hit, and I lay down, and I look up, and I can just see all the stars just across the universe. I even start to see clocks flying through space like the Twilight Zone. And I, I look over at Derek, and I'm like, aren't the stars amazing? And he tells me, dude. We're in the tent. And he starts laughing his fucking ass off. <laughs> I was gone that day. <laughs> That's incredible, dude. That's fucking yeah. amazing. Anyway, um, fellas, do you guys have any topics that you guys want to go over? Yeah, we got a few kind of general fucking topics that we were thinking about. Kind of like first times of shit, like first kiss or first fight. Or if you've ever been in a fight or losing your virginity. I actually lost my virginity in my first fight, dude. <laughs> oh, shit. Was it Moon? Some big old black dude knocked me the fuck out and then fucked the shit out of me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just you kidding. You gotta keep that in the bucket. Was it consensual? It was consensual. I, wake, I woke up and said, ooh. Ooh, baby. <laughs> in regards to a first fight, I've never really got into like a full blown fight besides maybe just like a few altercations with buddies of mine. Like uh, I had a little, I don't really want to call it a fight, but with Brian Aragon and um, yeah, it really wasn't anything too exciting. Be honest. Did you whoop his fucking ass? I didn't whoop his fucking ass. He didn't whoop my fucking ass. I don't even think it was really a fight to be honest. <laughs> I don't know what it was. Did you guys just slap at each other from a distance? <laughs> kind of just um, cuddle it up for a second. We, uh, we slapped at each other until our skin got red, and then we kind of felt bad for each other and then just went back to playing Halo. Unfreaking believable That's love, man. See, that's what friendship is. You could slap each other a little bit. But yeah, I, I've never really gone into a fight, which is pretty shitty to say. I've always no. fought with my words. I'm just kidding. But uh, yeah, I, I never really got into a fight. What about you guys? Tim? Honestly? actual altercation there's only been one actual fight where i was like fighting well I, I guess there's two um but the first one was in elementary school it was a guy named esayas rodriguez and it wasn't much of a fight either I, you know he was he was just talking shit to me it was school schoolyard shit probably something i shouldn't have got butt hurt over i think he was like your mom is so fat you know yeah some kind some kind of your mom is so fat joke or some bullshit like that and so i was like oh hell no you can't talk about my mama and so we were in front of La Casita Elementary School in Clovis. Um, shout, out. Sh shout out to all my fellow Latinos who had to go there. But yeah, we were in front of the elementary school and um, he was talking shit to me. And I said, dude, don't say it one more time. And he said it one more time. So I didn't even punch him. I, I just grabbed him and like kind of did a so long gay Bowser fucking spinning maneuver to his arms. Like I, I did a spin out. So long gay Bowser. Whoa. I grabbed him by his arms and I fucking, you know, <laughs> kind of like the principal does on Matilda when he, when she grabs Matilda by the pigtails and spins her around, you know, like fucking grabbed him by his arms and like kind of did a spin about, threw him on the ground. And then I got on top of him and kind of hit him a few times. And he didn't really like, <laughs> he didn't really like fight me. He And he was actually laughing the whole time. And, it kind of disarmed me because he was laughing, but I was like kind of hitting him and hurting him. So um, I'd stopped hitting him because I was like, well, he's not fighting back. So it's not a fight. So I just like kind of walked away confused. And then after that, we were actually kind of cool for any time we met each other again. So it was interesting. I'm sure a lot of people are happy that you didn't pop off because you are a big ass motherfucker who could definitely do some damage if you wanted to. 
well maybe back in the day when i was like actually fit and stuff but yeah no i've I've got another fight as well that i had when i was older and i was actually hanging out with ryan's buddy we'll call him jesse for now because i don't want to you know put his name out there on the blast and shit so me and jesse were hanging out with ryan and we we were all having a good time partying and shit and we were all getting fucked up man So the boys had dropped acid as well. And, and so there was like kind of a point where everyone was kind of feeling <laughs> intense. And so Ryan kind of got like a little bit confused and was like, no, 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 I don't trust you guys. And kind of like bolted from the house at one point. And we'll tell this story later in like much more detail because it's really interesting. But This is such a good goddamn story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I want to save that one. But yeah, so Ryan like bolts from the house. And so me and Jesse go after him and like chase him down the street and stuff. And we follow him. But some guys on the street, I think they think we're trying to fuck Ryan up. But we're really just trying to be like, dude, it's okay. It's safe. Come home. You know, and, and these guys think we're trying to hurt Ryan. And they see us chasing him like, hey, come back, come back. So they, they were trying to defend Ryan. And so they square up with us. We're on the street corner by a 7-Eleven. And it was a very, very busy street corner. It was, it was in Portland, Oregon as well. I guess I should put the setting out there. We were both in Portland. And we were all fucked up. We were all wasted at this point. We were, we were not in a right state of mind. So these two guys see us chasing Ryan down the street corner past 7-Eleven. They're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And they get in between me and Jesse and Ryan. And they're like defending him. They're like straight up heroes of the night. They just fucking walk up out of nowhere. And they're like, I'm going to fucking protect this random guy. Um, and so I, I look at Jesse. Jesse looks at me. We make eye contact. And I, I just do like kind of the slice the throat maneuver. Like these guys are done for. Finish him. Yeah, seriously. So Jesse like nods at me and we both just bum rush these guys and we just start fucking swinging. And Ryan, since he's also out of his head and he's confused, he's hitting everybody. He's hitting <laughs> them. He's hitting us. He's just punching everyone. <laughs> So that was the second fight I've ever been in. So I guess that one's shared with me and Ryan because we were all kind of in a random brawl with people who we didn't even have a motivation to fight with. So it was interesting. You fucked them up too, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I think so, if I remember correctly. (laughs) And I didn't have a black eye or anything, so. That's what they get for trying to be the good guy. (laughs) I kind of feel bad. I think they were honestly just some, like, some guys, like, out trying to do good, and they got their ass whooped by a giant man and another kind of muscly guy. And weren't you wearing one guy. of uh, Ryan's wire wrap was, rings, too? Yeah, I think I was wearing a wire wrap ring and a floral shirt, and I had to look like a maniac, so. Holy shit, dude. I'm sure that night changed their lives. <laughs> I think that they will think twice about trying to be fucking Mr. Hero. Let him die. Do you remember anything from that night, Ronnie Pooh? Yeah, should- I- I remember it. Yeah, we'll we'll save we'll save that one for later. Um, I wanted to quickly go over some. Uh... Oh, fights for Ryan. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What about you, Ronnie? Yeah, you know, I I guess I've been in a, like a couple altercations, but I don't know if they were too serious. Um, one of them was kind of fucked up. Oh. <laughs> it was like whenever I was a kid, we used to like have a trampoline in the backyard, and we used to like fight and like fuck around back there. And we had a, like a neighbor across the street, and he was like this young Mexican kid named Nacho. And that's a little, not, not not like an alter ego or anything. That was like literally what they called him, Nacho. Yeah, everyone. His parents called him Nacho. Yeah. He used to come over sometimes and like fuck around with us and fight. And like um, my little sister would fight with us too and call her Rose. And uh, one day uh, we were fighting and he said something offensive to her. And it was something like grabbing her by the pussy, basically. Some Donald Trump shit. Yeah. And uh, it basically was fucked up made my sister cry she ran inside and then my dad comes outside pissed off and is like hey you need to get the fuck out of here and then um he goes home but then shortly after my dad's like you know what fuck that he's like you need to go whoop that kid's ass so basically we go across the street and um it's like me and my dad and um he's like outside just fucking around and um my dad's like fuck him up son (laughs) 
<laughs> so um, I just like punch him right in the face, dude, and just fucking <laughs> fucking sock him right in the mouth, and um, he falls to the ground, and my dad's like, "Fuck him up," and and so I start just like kick, punching him a couple more times, and like I start kicking him and shit. And um, he's just, he's not, like, fighting back at all. He's just, like, sitting there on the ground getting fucking kicked and shit. Whoa. His, like, dad and uncle come outside, and they're like, what the fuck's going on? And, he, and my dad's like, y'all motherfucker, shut the fuck up before I fuck you guys up. And, um... <laughs> we should put it on record. Our dad's a crazy motherfucker. He used to be when he was a younger gentleman. A true gangster. Did it feel good to fuck him up? I mean, I was crying while I was fucking him up. So oh. I don't know if it felt good. Oh, no. <laughs> so your tears are falling into his open wounds and giving him infections? Yeah, so I'm like kicking That's him and punching as him. That's metal Kicking him and punching him and crying, and I'm like, God damn. So then he, he ends up just like being on the ground, and I'm like, all right, well. I, it wasn't like too bad. It's not like he was like bleeding or anything. I just like gave him a good little talking up. He died, didn't he? <laughs> Shortly after. Fatality. God damn, you got so much blood on your hands, Ronnie. <laughs> you fucking savage, dude. It's like, the thing is, you don't even try to do it either. You're just getting these predicaments where people are just getting fucked up. <laughs> yeah, that was like a... That, that one was basically just because he was a fuck nut that talked shit to my sister, but my dad wasn't, wasn't having it. He her. deserved that ass kicking, no doubt. It was a question of honor. He deserved it, but I definitely wasn't willing to do it in the first place, but um, I still handled it. I can only hope you changed him for the better. Thinking back on it, it's like, I guess that's best because, like, any person should be willing to fucking defend their sister like that, so. Absolutely. God damn, you guys make me feel like such a bitch. I feel like I gotta go fuck someone up now. Dude, let's not even talk about being a bitch. Like, let's be real. Your brother is probably the least... He's the polar opposite of that definition, honestly. He's a bad motherfucker. Gijo. I think that's one reason why I never had to fight, because people always knew that he was my brother. Yeah. When you're surrounded by monsters, you don't actually need to lift a finger. You just need to know that you're associated with them. Yeah. <laughs> Someone will just be about to whoop my ass and I'll be like, Gijo's my brother! And then they'll drop their fist and walk away. Simon! <laughs> No, but I'm seriously going to probably fuck up some, like, old guy. Someone who could really fuck up easy, you know what I mean? Just to be like, yeah, I got in a fight. Good matchup, yeah. Guess who? Fucking break his bones and shit. But um, I wanted to ask you guys, um, how has it been going from a small, silent hill-like town like Clovis to a thriving metropolis such as Portland, Oregon? How has it changed you? I think that's probably a better question for Ryan because I've been, as you know, I've been out in the Navy for five years and I've been in multiple metropolis. Yeah, Ryan, you went from Clovis to goddamn Portland. Was it kind of like the culture shock that you thought it would be or how did you respond to it? You know, I think that it was an interesting transition because uh, I think me and Tim really didn't have a plan for moving out here. No. Um, we kind of like, uh, basically I saved up like two grand and he had been saving money while he was in the military and he was like once i'm out let's just uh pack up our things and head out there so we uh, basically made it to portland in two days we basically drove like 12 hours two days in a row and um, we uh got to like some place in utah we stopped for the night funny thing about that stop was uh we were trying to sneak my dog bear into the motel room so we like tried to stash him in a bag and um he started flailing around while he was in the bag and um, fell onto the ground like a can of uh shaving cream exploded while he was oh, um fuck. slamming around <laughs> it was a mess splattered all over the place and um, we had to try to clean that up real quick and we ended up deciding to leave him in the car overnight because too much of a pain 
that night was uh, average night in a Motel 6. We ended up staying the night, and then um, next day we took off, and we went to go stop to put gas. And Tim realizes that he doesn't have um, his wallet on him, and he's like, my wallet, where's my wallet? He's like, I think I left it at the motel, and he like called them, and they said they didn't see it, and we went back, and they had already cleaned out the room. Oh, my God. So he had $700 cash, his ID, all his debit cards, everything like that. So all that was lost. And um, that was almost a turning point for us to go back home. We were pretty devastated. We called all our family, and we didn't know what we were going to do. But thankfully, Tim had a spare ID from, like, Texas or something something since he was in the military moving around, and it was still active. Oh, wow. And he had enough money on his card, and I spotted him for, like, the rest, I guess. And um, the first thing that happened when we got to Portland was um, we pull up downtown, and um, Bear Bear jumps up on Tim's lap and gives him the golden shower of a lifetime. Pisses everywhere. In the car? Right, yeah. He was in the driver's seat. Bear jumps on him. Pisses everywhere. Tim's just like, fuck, fuck, get this fucking dog off me. And um, he's pissing everywhere. And I, was, I just grab him, throw him outside. He like goes running down the street and I have to go chase him down. And um, I get back and Tim's just stressing out. He's like, how the fuck am I supposed to find an apartment around here? Whenever I'm smelling like animal piss, he's like, I'm fucking. <laughs> and then he's just like enraged. And I'm just like shook because that was just a horrible situation. So we ended up deciding not to search for a spot the first day because of that. Oops, sorry. Um, a pile of uh, plastic just now fell over in the restroom. Yeah, so whenever I lost the money, that was our first leg of the trip. Like, that was day one of trying to travel to Portland. Um, So I had lost, you know, it was like, I think it was even more than that, dude. I think it was like seven to $900. It was even more. It was a lot. Damn. It was definitely like 700 I think. Yeah, I had a lot in cash just in case for whatever reason I lost my debit card. Mm-hmm. It was like almost – I was trying to be responsible and like have it on me just in case. And so losing that was horrible. And then, of course, you know, I lost all my other IDs, and we thought we had to turn around because I had no way of getting, you know, a new ID. Uh, you know, get it, replacing all those identification would be hard when I'm moving to a new state. And so whenever I found the, the Texas ID in my luggage, I was that was the thing that decided whether we were going to live in Portland or not. I found that fucking ID in one of my luggage pockets, and it was it was just a, two Texas driver's license mailed to me. I complained to them that the first one never arrived, but then they both ended up arriving, and they were both valid. Oh, wow. And so I happened to have a backup Texas driver's license in, in my car in the luggage, and that's what made it to where I currently live in Portland because I swear to you if I didn't have that, we would have turned around, and we would have been not living in Portland right now. That's crazy, man. It's like the entire universe was against you guys. Definitely, man. And you guys still managed to pull through and make it happen. That's not even the end of our bullshit. No, no. That Ryan, Ryan's totally like barely scratching the intro to Portland. Like we had a rough start, but getting established was hell too. So, what are some other uh, things you faced while moving over there? Basically, um, right after the whole golden shower thing, um, we hit up our buddy um, El Jefe. He let us stay at his spot for a couple nights um, while we were looking for a place. We were just like sleeping on his floor slash couch. And um, he lived in Chinatown, downtown Portland, which is uh, basically the most sketchy neighborhood around here, I guess. It's like the homeless central, yeah. So um, I had a vehicle which had a broken window, which can be just slid down with your hand. And we had all of our fucking valuables. So we go to sleep overnight, wake up in the morning. I go outside to get something out of the car. And as I'm walking up to the vehicle... I see some stones on the ground by a tree, and I'm just like, damn, these are fucking sweet. And then halfway through looking at them, I start to realize that they're my stones. And I'm like, holy shit! I run over to my car, and my window's down, and I look in, and everything's gone. And I'm just like, 
Are you fucking kidding me? I called him instantly and I was like, bro, everything that we own is gone. This is morning one. Morning one of waking up in Portland for the first time. Welcome to Portland, bitch. Exactly. Yeah, everything valuable, including like all, all my art stuff, Alton's uh, military uh, memorabilia. Everything. Um, everything. Everything, dude. His PS4, all that shit, dude. Every fucking thing that we, that you would want. All they left me was like a couple documents, I think. We were devastated, but we had no choice but to fucking just uh, move forward, I guess. So we ended up searching around town and I'm finding finally an apartment. Homeless. Sketchy, <laughs> a sketchy ass neighborhood we found. In a, it was like in the. It's the sketchiest. Southeast Portland, like hood ass shit going on out there. Far, far east. It's it's late. The streets are laced with fucking heroin needles. Yeah. It's fucking crazy. It's trash out there. They have a pretty big homeless community over there, don't they? It's pretty aggressive. Fourth out of 50 as far as most concentration homeless. Yeah, we're fourth out of 50. How do the homeless people over there compare to the ones here in small town Clovis? Like, do they appear to be more advanced? Oh, definitely. If you mean um higher and and I'm more fucked up, yeah. They're definitely more advanced. Also, these motherfuckers have nice camping gear, too. <laughs> have you guys heard about that, uh, about those pay-to-sit benches? No. Oh, that sounds evil. It's pretty brutal. Uh, basically, it's a bench that has a bunch of nails protruding from it, unless you put some coins into a change box that it's attached to. The fuck? I'd injure the shit out of myself on purpose and sue them. What happens, yeah, if you sit in it too long after the timer goes off and you get stabbed? Well, it lasts for 15 minutes. So if you have to sit there for longer than 15 minutes, then you're going to get a spike going up your ass. And then you sue that company. Imagine that. Like, if you're homeless, you don't want to use that change to sit on a bench. That's highly valuable money that can be going towards a fresh bowl of delicious meth, you know? <laughs> I'll put a spike up your ass. So I thought that was pretty funny how they have benches with spikes now. Um, do you guys ever stop to give the beggars money or like a McDouble or something? I used to. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, th- I truly believe now that it's actually wrong. I don't think you should. I did. I used to. But, you know, they jacked us, and I feel like that's a pretty fat donation I gave them. But what what I'm thinking is, like, no, you don't want to give them money, honestly, because you want to give them just the resources they need to get back on their feet. Because you give someone like that money, you're literally making shit worse. You are. You're making shit worse. Dude, um, one time I stopped at a gas station, and this guy walked up to me, and he's like, hey, man, I don't know if there's any chance you can give me some money. I'm trying to get a motel room, and I've been struggling out here and everything. And I was like, yeah, let me go inside and see what's up. And I went inside, and they didn't offer cash back, but I got them, like, some juice and, like, a fucking apple and some shit. And um, I go back outside, and I try to give it to him. He's just like, oh. He's like, I don't really want that. He's just like, I just want, like, I want, I, I want him some money. And I was just like, you know what, dude? Fuck you. I was like, fuck off. I was like, you know what? You're an unappreciated fucking disrespectful ass. I was like, haven't you gone to any of the fucking uh, homeless shelters or anything like that? And he was just like, I would, but I get anxious, and I don't like to go around there. And I was like, dude, I was like, you have no fucking other options. I would be out there. And uh, I ended up flipping him off as I drove away. Whoa. I was just angry. I was like, you know what, dude? You're disrespectful as fuck. Super ungrateful. They literally say beggars can't be choosers. So what the hell was that guy thinking? Yeah, you know, some, some homeless I know that are really struggling out there. I actually, I just, I just now met a homie recently, and he um, was out in hard times. Him and his girl were homeless for a while, and they've been living at people's houses and stuff. But um, I've been hanging out with them for, like, the last couple of weeks, and they're really good people. 
And I mean, some people just are out on their lucks. I mean, it's it's kind of complicated because you know that it's a mix. So yeah, yeah, no, you can't you can't judge someone based on their homelessness or their financial like struggles at the moment because you know that could absolutely be you one week. You know, like that was us. That was us. Our first two weeks in Portland, we were absolutely homeless. We didn't have a place to live, and we were fucking penniless, and we didn't have many options. Like the fact that that sketchy apartment let us sign up with no provable income was the only way that we could have got established there. Damn, that's absolutely wild. Like, you guys could have easily just said fuck it and just started smoking meth. Everything pointed to that was the easy way. That's what we should have almost did, was just say fuck it. And, you know, not smoke meth, but probably just give up and go back home and be a goddamn... Probably I'll work at Jiffy Lube or some shit. <laughs> How close were you to uh, picking up the pookie, Ronnie? Ronnie, uh, so he's actually grabbing a beer at the moment we can edit this bit that unprofessional fuck <laughs> i know what a fucking piece of shit ryan get back in your goddamn chair you little dancing get monkey. into your cage fool i just want to say that you can both eat my fucking ass i'm just kidding i love you that's pretty gay as long as there's cottage cheese involved there's nothing wrong with that and i'm not using tim's bidet either oh positive five star review on the bidet by the way did i ever tell you guys about my legendary lobuk dance-off with a nigerian prince yes no so the reason why i brought it up is because i was i was thinking about how lubbock is now like an official hot spot of the coronavirus and um not too long ago me and some friends actually took a trip down there to celebrate life party you know just make horrible decisions the usual we were just like fuck it let's go out and party with my buddy ryan i'm gonna call him zam zam we eventually linked up with zam zam who is if you know this guy this motherfucker goes so incredibly hard. Like, this dude can eat a fully loaded chili cheese dog with an orange while rolling balls. Like, I've never seen anything like that. That's pretty impressive. I lose my appetite. This motherfucker can eat a whole bucket of chicken by himself. But uh, we were bar hopping that night, and uh, we eventually ended up at Kong's. Have you guys been to Kong's before? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I love that place. Dopest club in Lubbock, and it's a lot better than what it used to be whenever you guys went there. They totally revamped it. <laughs> yes, yes, monkeys and all. We went to Kong's, and it was packed that night. It was actually at full capacity, but my buddy Zam Zam bribed the bouncers with, I don't know, a chocolate bar to let us in. And they did. So we went to the back door, and um, we got to partying. The environment was hot. The music was even hotter. And I started to vibe, right? Next thing you know, I'm going full flex on the dance floor. Like, I had six people surrounding me, but at the time it felt like millions of people witnessing the spectacle. The music was churning my butter and the whiskey was lubricating my joints. Um, and that's when I noticed that there was another dance circle across the way, right? And in the center of this dance circle was what appeared to be like some Nigerian prince. And the only reason why I say that, because he was wearing a, a what are they called? A Haza Faluni, which is like a wide sleeved robe with very long sleeves that have to be folded up to show your hands. Um, it was like the equivalent of a Yorubas Agbada. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but you can look it up. Um, he was even wearing like a, a round little cap that's called a Fula, and he was covered in beads. I gotta stop here real quick because nobody can fucking spell any of those three words. It's, it's all Nigerian <laughs> shit, dude. Nobody can spell any of those words you just said, and they cannot look it up. So good luck. Yoruba Agdaba, Hausa Faloni. Anyway, 
Um, I slowly pop locked and dropped it into his general direction, and we turned our uh, two small dance circles into one tremendous circle, an oval, if you will. Ryan, stop peeping. Yeah, how many times do I tell you to put your dick away, dude? Guys, if you stop putting me in the restroom, maybe I'll be able to stop. I'm gonna go and piss in there too if you don't cut it out. Sorry. As long as you guys cross streams. Anywho. Prince you, Baba. He was doing some traditional dance to attract mates, right? But all he got was a fresh can of noodles from your boy. And by that, I mean I, I wiggle like a worm when I dance. Kind of like how, you know, Squidward dances on that one episode of SpongeBob when they're having the talent show. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, dude, that one's awesome. Yeah. That was me. All right. So imagine that in the middle of the club, tripping balls. How the hell did you get so good at dancing anyways, dude? Because um, I feel like you're, like, naturally inclined to kill it. I don't it. know, dude. But, like, you should see the shit that I'm coming up with now under quarantine. Like, shit you've never seen before. Epic stuff. But uh, that night, I busted out everything. Everything. The scuba man, the iron chef, the malfunctioning robot. The Balboa Squid, the Helen Keller, you know, the works. Jesus Christ. I was even like having to look at my my homegirl, Tori, and be like, what do I do now? What do I do now? And she was like, I don't know. You've done everything. So, you know, I just I just get back to like just making something up. And, you know. VIP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that was me all night just coming up with VIP moves. But um, after going back and forth for what felt like hours with this Nigerian prince, he eventually bowed down in shame. And I was victorious that night. It was such a it was such a beautiful feeling. And the whole time that we were battling, I felt safe because there was some Biggie Smalls looking ass who was busting out shots for me and the crew. And he was like pretending to be our personal bodyguard. Like he was watching out for us. It was great. He eventually gave me a shiny rock in the middle of the dance club, bro. Hey. What the fuck? I want you to reconnect with this guy. Sounds like he was great. awesome. He was an older gentleman. And he gave me this shiny rock, and I don't know if it was shiny because that's just how it was, or if it was from all the sweat from his greasy, moose-knuckled hands. <laughs> it, it was as magical as a Disney movie. Um, but uh, <laughs> have you guys ever had a dance-off? No, but you, you reminded me of a really cool story, though. Um, do you remember the one time like during Halloween, like three or four years ago? You were dressed as a giraffe, and I was a hot dog. And um, we went out to, um, I think it was Heaven in Lubbock. And... Um, I remember we uh, went in there, and it was like, yeah, everyone was dressed in their Halloween outfits, and we were having a good old time. But um, one thing I particularly remember was, like, some chick was wearing a giraffe outfit as well. And um, I thought you were going to be all, like, excited and be like, damn, I want to dance with her. And you look at me, and you're like, I'm trying to go fight that bitch to the death. Yeah, <laughs> and, um, I was, I was going to neck her in the middle of the dance club. You were going to neck her, yeah. You are going to try to fuck her up. But I remember, yeah, we went down on the dance, dance floor. I think it was during 12th Planet set, and um, we we're just getting filthier than fuck. So that was a good-ass time. I feel kind of lazy because I've been a giraffe for like seven Halloweens in a row. It's your, it's your spirit animal, so I mean, what can you do? It's such a good costume, though. I know, Tim, you have that one dance move. <laughs> you're like doing that fisting action. You know what I mean? That fisting motion. I knew exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of like anal penetration. giving birth to cows or... Oh, no, yeah, it's it's very similar to whenever you have to artificially inseminate a cow. Mm. If you've ever seen that on a video, look it up. They have to put on basically a really long, like, fucking past-the-elbow glove, and they shove their arm past the elbow into a cow. You create sort of a semicircle with your left hand, and you use your right arm as the gloved hand of the cow being inseminated, and you're sort of mm. just thrusting your entire past-the-elbow through the hole, and you just sort of extract all the way and go all the way back you just repeat that cycle so it's just a thrusting 
repetition. Very simple. All the kids can do it. Try it out at home. You do it so intense, and it's just unbearable that I love it. I know whenever you're doing that, that shit is popping off, and that it's not going to get much better than that for the rest of the night. That Yeah, that's usually peak sweat beast, you know? Yeah, and Ryan, you have like that that one dance where you just make your hands all pointy and you're like slender manish but you're wearing a hot dog <laughs> suit so it's really funny damn son i love it yeah i remember one time we were like i was wearing the hot dog suit and a hentai mask i was like wearing a kawaii girl mask um <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we're, uh that, that was a fun thing honestly <laughs> yeah halloween is totally my my favorite holiday by far. Just being able to dress up like a fucking fool and just go ape shit. How can you not love it? I could hear Tim choking in the back. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you hitting dabs without me, pussy? Hey, pussy. Neither confirm nor deny. Did you guys know that yesterday was uh, World Naked Gardening Day? Damn it, dude. That's every day for me, dog. I miss my chance. I, I can never do such a thing. I'd be too embarrassed to be out in the garden naked. <laughs> Yeah, you have to at least wear a coin purse thing. Yeah, like imagine if you're just taking part in this fun national holiday only to have your PP bit by a garden snake. <laughs> That'd be so embarrassing. I also feel like I'd be too busy comparing my balls to tomatoes. I thought you were going to say your dick to the garden snake. <laughs> <laughs> that is done for. I like how he just starts to cough and then it cuts off. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Sincerest apologies. We could honestly edit this better. I love it, dude. (laughs) That just means that the weed's good. Fuck. Oh, my God. Now the only time I ever cough is just when I'm having an asthma attack since I don't smoke anymore. Anyway, um, this one's kind of more um, aimed towards Tim, I suppose, since you don't really play games too much, Ryan. But uh, Are you going to ask him about anal? <laughs> no. Uh, no. Something that he has dabbled in. Episode role. three. Episode three. That's going to be the, uh, the topic that we start off with. But uh, what new video game release are you looking forward to the most, Tim? New video game releases. You know... I'm, I don't think I'm actually watching for any of the upcomings. Uh, you know, I'm, I don't. I don't think anything's on my radar at the moment because you know, I think just like you do, I have such a massive back catalog of yes, amazing games that I know are AAA titles, and I still haven't even touched yet. Do you have Animal Crossing? Oh yeah, yeah. And I, I, you know, I was playing it a lot at first, but then there was Bunny Day, and that shit ruins the game for like a whole month. Really? What does that even mean? It really does. So anybody who's played Animal Crossing will instantly be shaking their head in an annoying manner. Because Bunny Day means that 30% of everything that you fucking do, you just get an Easter egg instead of what you're supposed to get. So let's say you're going fishing, and fishing is one of the funnest parts of Animal Crossing. Well, there's like a 30% chance that when you're fishing, it's a fucking Easter egg. And all these Easter eggs can be used for is to craft Easter Bunny furniture, which is fucking ugly and looks stupid. And it's pointless. And so you can't even catch fish. Like, you can't even go do the things that makes Animal Crossing fun for a whole month because you're 30% likely to get Easter eggs and you don't even want them. They're useless. Why would God allow this to happen? Everyone's been fucking hate-mailing Nintendo and they said, I swear to God, if next year you don't fix Bunny Day, we're going to kill you. 
there's no reason to make Bunny Day longer than one day. They made it fucking like two weeks long. You know what surprised me? The fact that Animal Crossing sales have surpassed any Mario or Zelda game in the U.S. Ain't that some shit? It's incredible. It is. And the reason is because it appeals to old grandmitas, you know? Like, they're able to pick that shit up and be like, oh, I can tend to my garden. And they never even know that fishing is an option. Little grandma's going to go MLG Pro in Animal Crossing. I'm 360 no-scoping these noobs. Killtacular. Did you guys hear about that uh, lass who received a surprise visit by Elijah Woods? Mr. Frodo Baggins himself? No, I didn't hear about that. Apparently, he visited some chick's island to purchase some turnips or some shit. Um, I'm not entirely sure how the game works, however. That's awesome. But um, you could tell that it made her entire day, dude. She she got like a, a DM from him being like, hey, can I purchase some turnips from you? And she was like, sure. And he visited and bought some turnips. And it just looked like a cute, whittle old time. I did see that. It's pretty pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty cool. You'll see a lot of like big, big like internet types, like influencers, PewDiePie and that type, going to like some of their fans' islands or having their fans come and join them. And yeah, they just share a code on Reddit and have a bunch of people join their island. And they get to kick people out if they want to. So, and nobody also can grief your shit. So it's kind of nice. People can come check it out, but they can't actually edit your island. Who would you guys like to come visit your cute widow island of furries? Uh, Somebody who would absolutely hate fucking Animal Crossing, like Bill Burr. He'd be like, what the fuck is this? He's just having a horrible time the whole fucking time. What is this shit? <laughs> this game sucks. Can't we get a fucking cop out the fucking river? I have a shovel in my garage. <laughs> what about you, Ronnie? Who would you like to invite to your cute widow island? Um, I don't have Animal Crossing, but if I did, I would say, I don't know, Snoop Dogg or something. It'd be cool if we could like virtually smoke on uh, Animal Crossing. Dude, I do want to say, so last time we had all kind of briefly gotten a chance to talk about why we want to do a podcast, and I didn't actually say anything. I do want to quickly mention all the podcasts that you guys had listed, obviously, I'm super into, especially the ones that you listed at the end, Brian, like Gus and Eddie podcast and yeah, yeah. the official. Um, also want to throw in there, Misfits podcast is pretty fucking incredible, um, even though I don't dig some of the recent drama between some of those guys, which you can look up on your own. But basically, basically, one of the guys fucked one of the other guy's girl, and it was not cool, but it's it's interesting shit. But the podcast is great. They're all just a bunch of stoner goofballs. Um, also want to throw out there, me and Ryan just finished this incredible new Netflix series made by a comedian named Duncan Trussell, and it's called The Midnight Gospel on Netflix. And if you have not checked it out, you should absolutely try it out. Um, if you like podcasts at all, mm -hmm. you're going to love this shit because they sort of like they sort of clip in chunks of a podcast throughout the episode. And then they also have like their own voice acting that they throw in there. But basically they, they ditch together a cartoon storyline around a podcast and they clip it into episodes that make Multiple sense. podcasts. Each episode has a different guest, basically. It's pretty interesting. Exactly. I might have to check yeah. it out. You said this is on Netflix. Yeah. Yeah, it's called The Midnight Gospel and it is a fuck it's it's a it's a fucking incredible series. And I don't want to give any spoilers, but I will say if you don't do anything else, if you even even if you have to start with this one, go ahead and watch the last episode because it is a masterpiece and it had me crying like a little baby little baby boy. Really? You can tell he put like all his soul into that one. Fucking man. So much passion and love, yeah. Damn, must be good. 
I myself really haven't been watching too many shows. I even fell behind on Castlevania. We haven't been getting as addictedly into it. But now that we're not roommates anymore, it might be just a little different vibe. We're not watching as much shows in general together. Yeah, yeah. You know, th- there's one show I want to shout out. Uh- Dave, um, Little Dicky show. It's on Hulu. That show is hilarious. It's pretty fucking ridiculous, honestly. Yeah, I always see uh, Devin talking about it, so I figured it's a masterpiece. It's great, man, honestly. The last episode was, like, fucking mind-blowing, honestly. It's a comedy. It's, like, it's just a funny, um... It's like a story of how he became a rapper, kind of, but um, as a comedy series. And um, Andrew Santino's a guest in it, who's a great Ooh. comedian. Um, yeah, him and Bobby are doing their thing on The Bad Friend stuff so that red-headed fuck yeah he, he does a great job in there so he's he's like his uh, business manager on that show so highly recommend santino is absolutely one of the funniest uh comedians out there i think he hosts my favorite podcast he's he you know whiskey ginger and bad friends are on my probably top 10 for sure oh i see yeah i enjoy uh bad friends but i still think that i like tiger belly a little more even though george and gill are annoying as fuck <laughs> They don't really add anything, I don't think. They're kind of like minions. Kind of like minions, except not as cute and yellow. Well, I guess they are yellow, but whatever. You fucking scumbag. Whatever, you got got to be a scumbag to live in this world. Did you guys hear about those uh, murder hornets that have arrived in North America? Dude, I seen that. Giant fucking yellow jacket. What the fuck is that about? It was cracking me up, dude. I was like, are you shitting me right now, murder hornets? Apparently, they're two inches, and they come from Asia. Yeah, man. My buddy Easton was all like, right after that, he's like, and did you see there's like a bunch of flamingos somewhere? A flamingo invasion? Yeah, and I was like, what are they, murder flamingos? What the fuck else is going to happen? I was like, this is fucking bullshit already. I'm tired of all these 2020 madness. Do those flamingos have like giant stingers on their fucking (laughs) bottom sides? That'd be cool. Giant invasive flamingos. <laughs> so I'm looking it up right now, and apparently the invaders use mandibles shaped like spiked shark fins to wipe out a honeybee hive in a matter of hours. Capable of killing humans, their venom and stinger make for an excruciating combination that victims have likened to hot metal driving into their skin. <laughs> My God, that sounds vicious. What the fuck, right? They decapitate bees and feed their thoraxes to their young. How metal is that? That's all the organ meat. That's good shit. It even says that their stingers are long enough to puncture a beekeeper suit. Oh, fuck. It's like, oh, you think you're safe? You pathetic mortal. Golly, these things are the work of Satan. It's like, if you thought killer bees were something, like, no. Killer bees are big asses compared to these things. <laughs> yeah. Dude, yeah, fuck all of those creatures, honestly. I'm not interested. And my girlfriend's allergic to them, so I think if one of them stung her, it'll be like an insta-kill. Game over. Hey, oh, oh, Like, that EpiPen won't mean shit in that circumstance. So, yeah, there's a lot of crazy things going on with the world right now. Apparently, we're on the brink of a hunger pandemic, too. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I think that we're we're actually unwinding shit right in time to prevent that. I just don't understand how there can be a hunter pandemic whenever McDonald's has a dollar menu. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just get some McChickens or a McDouble. People aren't making dollars. Once we're out of McDoubles, the world's over. <laughs> Ronald McDonald is my god. Plus, I don't understand why like someone like Jeff Bezos doesn't just airdrop a bunch of bean burritos in Africa or Bangladesh or whatever. <laughs> They don't give a fuck, do they? I think if you were that fucking rich, you honestly could do something right now, and they're not, which is strange. 
Imagine just being so rich that you don't give a fuck. Do you think you guys could handle being insanely rich? Yeah, I can handle it. I, I wish I was. You don't think insanely you'd become a scumbag? Rich? Yeah, like ridiculously rich. I'd probably become a scumbag. I think you got to think about what what it means to be ridiculously rich because it's different, Ryan. Because you got to think about security at that point. Because you're a likely fucking mark for assassination. Like, there's a lot of people that could profit off you dying, dude. It's like, would you rather like be broke and kind of wish you're like, you're like, you know what? Fuck it. I kind of wouldn't mind being dead already. Or like, then you're like rich. You're like rich, and you're like, dude, I don't want to die. I got all my money. It's like, um, but if you die, then it's like, well, you could pay for security. Yeah. Yeah, I would totally be a scumbag. I feel like I'd have a Lamborghini to match every pair of underwear I have just because I could, you know? And then I'd drive it once, then burn the fucking car. Damn, dude. I'd, I feel like I'd also even make my friends do stupid shit for money. Like, hey, dance for me, little buddy. Dance, buddy. It's like, hey, I'd give you $1,000 if you let me bitch slap you with a band of bills. Just cross their face. Hard as fuck, though. You gotta let me slap you hard. They're just crying, and I'm just like, here you go, it's chump change, bitch. <laughs> Damn, dude. You know, like, everyone has a cost for their uh, shame. <laughs> yeah, so I think it's uh, probably a good thing I'm not filthy fucking rich, because I would definitely go to hell. Right now, it's kind of, like, still up in the air, you know what I mean? Dude, you're going to hell. You're a piece of shit. Well, you know what? My boy Biggie's down there, so who's winning now? I also feel like heaven would be kind of like a library, you know, kind of like boring and like everyone's just kind of chilling. And then you look over the edge and you look into hell and there's just like a sick ass rave going on and everyone's doing coke off of like titties and shit. <laughs> I think that uh, any any like classical idea of heaven and hell seems kind of fucking goofy almost to me. I can't even imagine that's what it's going to be like. Very cartoonish. Like, my idea of hell is just, like, taking your worst fears and manifesting them. Like, one of my ideas of hell is just, like, having a nail driven into my belly button. I don't know if you guys know this, but, like, my belly button is such a weak spot in my body. Like, it freaks me out. Like, even cleaning it with, like, a Q-tip, I feel like my... You just reveal your weakness. I know! <laughs> do not listen to this, anybody, but... Uh, Never do that, anyone. Uh, Never reveal your weakness. I feel like even but, cleaning yeah. it out with, like, a tooth... Not a toothpaste. Um, a toothpick. Not a toothpick. A fucking Q-tip. Whenever I clean it out with a uh, Q-tip, I feel like my guts are gonna spill out, dude. Do you think there's a chance? I don't know. It's weird that it used to be our old mouths. What? You're right. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we used to eat in our belly buttons. You fuck. You can still eat through there if you try hard enough. I'm sure. Stuff for refried beans in there. Paradox. I know your true weakness. What pickles? Yeah, dude, you're weak to pickles. That's your other weakness. I'd rather put a greasy Italian cock in my mouth than a fucking pickle. <laughs> <laughs> it's a me, Mario. Let me ask you. Italian on the verge of dying from COVID-19, but go ahead. Would you rather have a pickle in your mouth or a finger in your belly button? <laughs> That's Fuck. Is it like a stranger, a stranger's finger that I can't control? It's a stranger's pickle, too. It's dated. <laughs> I mean, it's Gilgamesh. Oh, I mean, not Gilgamesh. Man. Gilgamesh's finger. <laughs> Gilgamesh's mysterious finger, dude. It smells a little cheesy. I think I would face my fears and put a belly button in my pickle. Or uh, a pickle in my belly button. <laughs> <laughs> what? That wasn't on the table. You face both fears simultaneously. And pickle. I just become immortal. I become woke for the first time in my life. You have but transcended. You couldn't taste the pickle that way, and that ruins the whole fucking point. Well, didn't you say you could taste it if you put it on your balls? Yeah, I was going to tell you. You could dude, just put it on your would balls. You dip, and... Would you dip your nutsack in uh, vinegar pickle juice, dude? 
pickle juice. Wait, 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 wait. Mom's gonna hate this whole bit, dude. dude you gotta cut. We it. already told you that your mom doesn't like when you talk about your nutsack, dude. At least talk she about your she... shaft or something. She said she's not gonna talk about this. <laughs> she said she's not gonna the shaft segment was amazing. She said, "Son, I was uncomfortable with the ball talk, but the shaft talk was hilarious." Speaking of balls, um, apparently our uh, never mind. I won't talk. About it. <laughs> Go do it. it. Talk about it. <laughs> Uh, apparently our dad has a really fucking massive nutsack. <laughs> <laughs> no! Dude, okay. I don't know if dad is okay with you putting that in the world. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> That's what I was thinking. That's how I saw myself. How did this rumor begin? No, he told us. He says he has six. No, it's a known fact. It. it dips in the water. He said he sits on it. It dips into the water from the toilet bowl sometimes. It, his chain hangs low, so to speak. It's not because they're huge. It's because the skin has become very relaxed. It's kind of like his own version of Yarn Yarn's titty balls. Exactly. Whoa. I wonder if there's a callus on them, too. <laughs> oh, you were going to have to ask him. <laughs> no, no, no. This, this is um, uh, fucking private Snapchat content. Patreon. Yeah, okay, only Patreon. fans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is our only fans content. Follow my dad at um, GapingAnus69. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, fuck it. <laughs> So, gentlemen, have I told you about the infamous Jesus tagger of the Dirty Curry? <laughs> no, dude. Like a religious fucking artist? Okay, so check this out. There's been someone going around town tagging up businesses with religious propaganda. Um, most of them just say, Jesus loves you. And it's everywhere in town right now. Like this person went on a religious journey of some sort to spread the word via vandalization. And they went full flex. Is it like in Cholo fucking uh, lettering or anything? No, it's it's like all childish and sloppy, which is really Aww. disappointing because they could have really... Yeah, I was hoping it was cool. Yeah, like they could have at least done it in Old English or Helvetica, but nope. Yeah. Just childish. Jesus loves you. It's <laughs> All the letters are all retarded too. <laughs> uh, they struck near the local donut shop here, you know, Daylight Donuts. Yeah. And it's funny because uh, oh, wow. they tagged, did Jesus eat donuts? Either way, he loves you. <laughs> what? A very imposing question. That's deep. I like that they, they, they had a little comedic spin in there, and I appreciate that. You know, like, it's like they're not taking it 100% seriously, but it's like 98% yeah, seriously. They're having fun with these crimes. But um, I decided to look up that question, right? Did Jesus eat donuts? And sadly for our boy JC, donuts weren't invented until 1847. So sadly that, you know, there wasn't any nut-shaped donuts at the Last Supper, but um, when did you, when you don't think that? Go ahead. Sorry, no, I was just gonna ask when did he die? I think he died at 9/11. <laughs> you don't think that somebody somewhere along the way figured out that you could like fry up bread dough and fat? Like they probably fried bread dough, at least like made sopapillas or some shit like that. Well, you I know? think back then it was considered a mockery of God if you did such a thing. <laughs> Blasphemy! <laughs> <laughs> Don't you because you made a fried fucking bread pocket. Anyway, this whole religious journey that this Jesus tagger is going on, um, it's pretty funny. And I can see how it'll be cute for like a religious nut or something. But they really need to work on their form. Like I said, Old English would make it amazing. At least use bubble letters, even if they're not good font. Try it. Comic Sans. You know, you got to develop. Looking at all these taggings, they got me reminiscing back in my tagging days. Did you guys ever go tagging? A little bit. No, man, honestly, I'm too much of a rule follower. You reported people who are tagging. Sir, these guys are over here having fun. <laughs> what kind of shit would you tag, Ronnie? 
Um, one time we broke into some like abandoned house and then we like tagged shit all over the wall. I think I drew like um like a biohazard sign or some bullshit, some generic ass like um young fuckery kid shit. Young fuckery kid shit. <laughs> a couple of friends and I went out on our own spiritual journey, right? Mm-hmm. I would go around tagging shit like. I'm just kidding. I'm gonna beep that. But did you? No, no. I, Ever, no, like, no, 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 no. You can put this off the no, podcast, no, no. but did no, you? No, of course not, dude. Like, not who the fuck do you think I am? No, not even once. I'm great. Dude, I love dude, everyone. I love dude, I'm everyone. Saying, hey, I know you hate. Dude, I hate you I right now. You I hate you so much. But uh, <laughs> I, went, I went around tagging just paradox and uh. One of my friends would throw up a stencil of a dinosaur, and the other one would draw hyper-realistic wieners all over the place. It was such a weird combination. Like, very detailed? Highly detailed. Veins and all, shadows. Tell me this. Did they always look similar, or were the dicks all different? They were all styles? different, and they were obviously being that drawn That motherfucker from is sources. looking at real dicks. Yeah, he has different sources, she was a total dude. Whore, Who is a it? A total fucking whore. Oh, it was a chick. Okay, yes. okay. I was gonna say this dude knows his dicks. Like, if he knows like the different shapes and angles and shit, they would even get the curve, <laughs> you know. But uh, it was a blast, and it was quite the adrenaline rush. I would write more than just paradox. Like, I would write shit like paradox was here or sorry for ruining your wall. It was great. You, you remember our friend? Not uh, Sid was here. Yeah, Riri. yeah, not Sid. What, Ronnie? I guess uh, Riri would uh, put those like fucking sexual ass tags with like yes. a fucking ass and like some her girl bent over with her pussy show on the dumpster next to your house yeah dude my dad hasn't seen that he's just all like shaking his head all it reminded me like king of the hill type stuff he's like whoa he didn't like that he was like that's one nice pussy hito <laughs> no honestly though i'm surprised that we never got caught because i would walk into walmart at like 11 p.m to purchase spray paint a ski mask and New Balance shoes, quick getaway edition, and they and just they would never put two and two together because that same night I would just hit the town up with bullshit fueled off of adrenaline and Kool Aid jammers. I miss those days. Goddamn, I loved it, dude. Now I wasn't much of a night mischief boy myself. I, I actually mostly I, I followed the law except for you know fucking substance abuse, fucking the shit out of people's daughters. <laughs> let's let's face it, dude. You were a fuck machine, like the priests. A little bit. Goddamn. I can't get into too much specifics, but yeah. <laughs> Let's leave it at that, you porch fucker. I, d- I didn't, though. It was 69 only, and it was no penetration. <laughs> yeah, you're right. That's some yeah. childish shit. Yeah, it's some baby-ass shit. <laughs> 69ing is for babies. Do you think that you could ever fall in a deep love with a midget? I have to be honest, like, uh, so I don't want to hurt her feelings if she ever happens to listen to this, and I don't <laughs> consider her, I don't consider her a true, she's definitely technically a dwarf, I think, um, so one of my exes that I actually dated when I was in the Navy, she was, she was in the Navy as well, and so they don't consider her, you know, any kind of special class of citizen or any shit like that, she's not disabled or anything, she's a normal person, and she actually is enlisted in the military. But yeah, she's a short person for sure. She's like probably like three foot something, I think. I don't know. Um, and she's tiny. But yes, I did have a girlfriend who was a, sh- a little person for a while while I was in the Navy. And it was pretty fun and interesting. And she was a potty mouth ass bitch. <laughs> like she she was a sailor. Like she fucking drank harder than me and everything about her. She was rough around the edges. She was fun. And um, she ended up dumping my bitch ass because I wasn't fun enough for her. Like, <laughs> so 
So she was like more of a wild card than I was. Um, she was definitely the dominant in that situation. And I was just along for the ride for a brief moment of her shining career of debauchery. So you're telling me that the U.S. military has midgets serving? Yeah, yeah. And some of them are doing really difficult work, like things that you'd be surprised. I think physical work, like mechanics and stuff. But um, the particular gal I was dating happened to be a dental technician. Getting shot out of a cannon and eating the enemy's faces? <laughs> Sharpened uh, metal teeth, grills and shit. I bet you she would get drunk as fuck off a danimal. <laughs> Dude, she would fucking out drink me somehow. You would think someone that small would not be able to go shot for shot on whiskey, but this this chick could fucking slam down rum shots and I would be like passing out on the couch and she'd be like, let's fuck. <laughs> I'd be like, no. Do they have a shorter lifespan? No pun intended. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I wonder if there's some medical no. conditions whenever you... I bet, it, I bet they have a longer lifespan because from what I've heard, it's like um, the shorter you are, um, the less distance your blood has to go to circulate so it's easier for it to get through your body. You know what that means, right, Ronnie? Did I have a short <laughs> lifespan? You're gonna fucking die way before us. Well, I don't know about me, though, because I'm left-handed, and we have, like, a nine-year less lifespan than right-handers. Really? Yeah, we die nine years less on average. <laughs> Isn't that comforting? Because fuck living that long. Is it because you're a little retarded? <laughs> All I know is, is you fucks aren't okay. invited to my funeral. <laughs> <laughs> what if we just died on the same day, Ronnie? That'd be kind of epic. If you both died, I would be devastated. It'd probably be on the way to a secret mission. I would honestly be offended if you didn't kill yourself, Tim. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, this is it. <laughs> Going back to the midget talk, let me preface this by saying that I'm in a loving, dedicated relationship with my sweet girlfriend, who will remain unnamed on this podcast. Midgeted. I don't want to embarrass her. But <laughs> on that note, I wouldn't mind fucking the shit out of a small, deformed human, mostly just for the story. Damn. <laughs> Like, you know how some how some vehicles have TVs inside of them? No, I've never heard of that. Um, well, some ballers. Inside of them? Well, like, the deck where you put, like, the CD and shit, some of them have a little screen that pop out. Oh, I thought you meant human beings that had TVs inside of them. <laughs> fucking totally tripping. Like, what are you fucking talking about? Midgets with TVs. A fun little story. <laughs> inside of them? Are you talking Teletubbies? Yeah, 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 on their tummy. <laughs> um, fun little story about that since we're on the topic of midgets. The first time I ever watched a movie inside of a, a vehicle, we were watching midget porn. But anyway, back to my story. <laughs> um, Fuck, man. I just realized one of my coworkers is a little person and I definitely don't want to be on, yeah, on here saying you this. You know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry that I'm calling you a midget. I should call you a little person, but I just think that's more offensive. I don't know. Yeah, doesn't it sound diminutive? It sounds like an insult. Well, paradox, or doesn't dwarf sound like an insult? But that's the technical term. It's dwarf. Paradox is a little little person compared to me. I feel like yeah. I feel like if I'm gonna call you little person, I might as well just say widow person. All cute. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh no, a widow person. And then, no. and then manhandle you like a soggy bag of potatoes. <laughs> you widow person, thank you. <laughs> Go up to a, a little person and just be like, "Hey, widow guy." Dude, <laughs> pick, no. Pick him up and throw him up in the air real quick. Are you washed, widow guy? <laughs> just toss him and don't even catch him. <laughs> be like, "Fuck off, asshole." He's a jolly good rookie. <laughs> this is so funny. I don't feel like I could truly fall in love with someone who can't even get on a roller coaster, to be honest. Grow up. I'm 38 years old. Dude, how are we supposed to seek that thrill that we're both seeking? <laughs>
You know, I think that they... Bumper cars? You're right, you're right. You just have to just only go on certain rides. <laughs> and then imagine how annoying it would be to always have to, like, reach for stuff that's too high for their widdle arms. <laughs> I wanted to say widdle. <laughs> like you're reading a book or playing Fortnite or something, you hear, hey, can you help me reach the chicken noodle soup? But it's like, fuck, man, I'm in the middle of a game. Oh, I know you can't 360 no soap and help me at the same time, but I have widow arms. <laughs> yeah, let's just be honest. They're people too. They're half the people that we are, but they're still people too. I think if you look up online, there's statistics for like the average children in a household and it's like 2.5. Imagine how annoying it'd be to be like the only midget in a family. Yeah, man, that's like balls. Yeah, like if one of your parents is one and then like one of your siblings, it's not as bad because not everyone's paying attention to you. You It's kind of yeah. like being the only kid in your family who was adopted. Oh, fuck off. Is the word midget like the N-word for them? Yeah, I think so, but some of them I think are reclaiming it a bit. Don't even get me started on black midgets, dude. We call them <laughs> Bridgets. Are you talking Beetlejuice? God just fucking hates you. <laughs> Damn. But I love you, and you're welcome to listen to this podcast. Oh, by the way, <laughs> black I forgot to tell you that we have an official Twitter and we have an official email. Do we? Yes, it's uh the Twitter is at planet underscore paradox. No surprise there. And the email is... I would love to get some viewer submitted questions. Yeah, please tell us how offended you are, how stupid we are, or any fun questions that you may have. Yeah, tell me how wrong I am when I pretend to know about science. Yeah, we also have an email, which is planetparadoxpodcast at gmail.com. So yeah, I should have threw that in earlier, but I just might as well just throw it in now. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's good to know. That's exciting. Any other topics you guys want to cover, or should I move on to the next one? I know how you are. You're a little private paradox, so if you don't want to. But um, losing your virginity, first story. I can go first, since I'm such a private fuck, in your opinion. <laughs> I was a goddamn loser. I probably still am, but I'm kind of funny enough to where people don't realize that. But I was never a ladies' man. I was too busy playing with bags of lard and playing Halo. Like, at, at <laughs> one point in my life, Halo was way more important than pussy in my eyes. I do remember there was the longest time when everyone, like my dad, my mom would be like, hey, your cousin Brian have a girlfriend yet? And I was like, not since Bushida. <laughs> yeah, my first girlfriend was a Bush in elementary, which should have been like, it was alarming. You know what I mean? It should have been kind of like a signal to, you know, get me some mental help. But instead, I just ended up making sweet love to a Bush. Anywho, let's see. My first girlfriend was a military chick who lived in base housing, not too far from my house. And she was half black, half white, very exotic in my little brown eyes. Unfortunately, we didn't really get past kissing because we were in elementary and I couldn't get my peepee hard. I haven't developed that skill yet. <laughs> hmm. So all I did was kiss her, and then she eventually moved to, like, North Carolina, and I never saw her again. The sad thing is, though, is I used to buy a bunch of badass chains, like, wrapper chains from, like, this Mexican store called Paisanos. I remember that. <laughs> Dude, like, Rough Rider chains, uh, yeah. cash money chains. I also remember you used to wear, like, baggy-ass clothes. Baggy dude, gangster ass shit, triple XL shit. I had like a triple XL Captain Crunch shirt for some reason, but uh, I had all these badass chains, and I gave them all to my girlfriend's brother just to impress him. And um, he eventually moved away and became a rapper. And I think I saw some of my chains on his album covers, but whatever. Big pimpin'. Um, what was the initial question that you asked him? <laughs> I'm coughing. Ryan, take it. Um, I'm not sure what he asked you. <laughs> I forget. How did you lose your virginity? <laughs> Oh, yeah, dude, you totally were talking about your virginity. I lost my virginity in just a boring-ass way, just with some chick, or I don't know if I should say her name. Don't. Let's just call You don't let's have call to. Let's call her Kikuruchi. 
And um, since I was such a bitch ass, she had to make all the first moves because I didn't want to feel like a rapist. <laughs> Sounds like you're a total gentleman. Yeah, I was, I was like a gentleman. Like, she was giving me all the signs, but I was just sitting there oblivious to it. She was like, fuck me. Eventually, she had to pull out my pee pee and do the damn thing. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, I was like, whoa. She just touched it a little bit. Yeah, like, I thought we were just watching SpongeBob. Nope. But nothing really too exciting on my end, to be honest. Can you remember? Did she milk you? Which episode of SpongeBob? Did she milk me? Yeah. Yeah, I, I milked that night. Okay. That's your first milking. My udders exploded. My first milking, yeah. It was sensational. And the episode of SpongeBob that we were watching was, uh, I think it was the Krusty Krab training episode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Speaking of, I think that's when I actually nutted was during that part. <laughs> The buildup. Yeah, I was holding it in, and it took. It takes a while. He busts, he busts and he says, "The Krabby Patty." So yeah, um, nothing too exciting on my end. I've I, I've always been a prude. I didn't really bust out of my shell till I started getting lit as fuck and took seven grams of mushrooms, and literally my mind exploded and I became Liddy Boy. But yeah, nothing too exciting. What about you guys? Tim, after you. I'm still choking, Ryan. You gotta go. Okay, I'll go. Um, so, the first girl who I got um, sexually interested in was this uh, young lady who um, I met whenever I was in 8th or ninth grade. The funny story is, like, I'm, like, a typical Mexican person who's about, like, having a family fucking birth, I guess. Because, like, I started, like, the first girl that I, like, met was, like, in first grade, and we, like, dated and shit back then and shit. So, I don't know. Like, it, it was funny. I remember being, like, in fifth and sixth grade and having like dolls and stuff and like pretending to have like a child with like these like mexican girls <laughs> yeah that was all kind of just strange times when we were children did she have a greasy forehead her name was uh canoveva is that her real name yeah was that really your first no I, I didn't fuck her the furthest we got was holding hands i see no the first girl that i ended up hooking up with was this girl whenever i was like in ninth grade the first time we had any sexual interaction we went out to the movie theater which was like one of the few things to do in um, our hometown afterward we were like walking around kind of like outside the mall, and we like found this like a uh, little tucked away building with like the lights off and stuff and she like tried to like give me a, basically like a hand job and um she sucked balls at that so <laughs> like good balls no no, balls? no not very good it was like she was like trying, <laughs> trying to do it, but instead of like doing it, she was just like hitting me in the nutsack over and over again. <laughs> oh, she's just punching you in the balls repeatedly. Yeah, she's basically like, <laughs> and I was just like, uh, girls, if you're listening, don't punch the ball sack. That's at least a good tip. And um, I remember like going to hang out with him, like stuff afterward. I was like telling him, I was like, dude, I think she gave me blue balls. And I remember like all walking around agony. My oh. nutsack was like in like raw meat form. But, like, um, I think probably, like, a week afterward, we ended up hooking up. It was probably, like, a kind of awkward encounter. We were still pretty young and didn't know what we were doing. Did she ever eat out your butthole? <laughs> no. But uh, she seems like the type of girl who probably evolved to that point easily. Was it worth getting punched in the balls 48 times? Um, I would say, yeah. To get fucked? Still worth it. Damn, you have a way worse first story than me. That sucks balls. That sounds unpleasant. Are your balls man. still purple to this day? No, they don't, they don't get purple. They just, like. In agony for a little bit. I don't know why, but I God can't damn. stop talking about your balls, right? <laughs> Dude, me neither. Yeah, chill I don't know why we keep coming back to that. You bring it up. I think you have a fixation on your balls, right? I don't like my balls. They're gross. <laughs> <laughs> I think everyone agrees. 
<laughs> so okay, so let, yeah. let's recap before we get into Tim's epic story. I was a prude. I, I had a very boring first time. Ryan, you got purple balls. Tim, lay it on us, please. <laughs> so the first time is not as interesting as like the fallout from it. But um, I think I was older than both of you whenever you had your first times. How old were you, Brian? Honestly, dude, I was like, I think 19. I was an old fuck. Oh, okay, okay. So you were like a senior? No, dude, I was already in college. Like, I went through all of high school Goodness. just jacking off, dude. <laughs> wow, you never had a chance never. to nut on some I just, It was I just, all a dream. It was, it, it was just a far-fetched dream. So you've only ever had sex while you were of age? Yes, yes, I was a loser. No, 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 that just means you're a respectful citizen of Cyrodiil. Dude, I think it's because you're a fucking loser. No. But, but so not to, turn, not, to, not to turn it back to a road station, but um, no. So for me, I was a late bloomer as well, as at least as far as I'm concerned. Because, you know, it, I think probably a lot of people have a reputation or whatever around Clovis easily. And I think I had a reputation for being a piece of shit, I think, in a lot of circles. But I did have a late start and I didn't actually do anything sexual until I was probably... I think 10th or 11th grade. And um, my first sexual encounter was with a senior, a girl who was a senior, and I was a sophomore or freshman, whatever it was. So I'll call, damn, I need to come up with a name that doesn't sound like her name. Bernadette. <laughs> Let's say Carly. Carly's a name that's nothing like her name. So <laughs> so, so Carly, I thought she was gorgeous. Um, she kind of had a little bit of buck teeth, but she had that kind of like girl next door kind of appearance. And also she had the red hair and the freckles. And for me, red hair, Boo. pale skin i was like sign me up it was like a full-on full-on irish surprise so um she was the first person that i had ever had a had a sexual relationship with and we were in a el camino it was her dad's el camino and we were parked in some fucking cornfield out behind clovis community college and uh it was cold as fuck i remember it was very cold and that was a challenging issue i think if anyone's ever tried to get a boner in the cold it's more difficult mm -hmm. it's a it's an uphill battle <laughs> so to speak but uh so we we you know the windows were all kind of steamed up even before we had even gotten into any nonsense you know the windows were already kind of steamed up just from our breath we were on the side of the road and you know i was trying to trying to get started up and um some guy pulls up behind us gets out of his truck comes and knocks on our window and is like you folks okay just making sure you're all right <laughs> and i was like <laughs> i was like uh yeah we're fine and um oh fuck <laughs> <laughs> you mean uh carly anyway, carly um carly's like oh fuck no and she just butt naked she just jumps into the driver's seat and pills out and fucking drives off we drive like for like 15 minutes out into the middle of fucking nowhere kind of out toward ned hauk in the countryside and we find another spot just out in the middle of some goddamn field and so I still, at this point, I'm very anxious. I'm like, I'm about to lose my virginity. And I'm like, oh, it's almost going to happen. But this asshole comes and knocks. And it's literally like a movie where it's like, you're right about to lose your virginity. And it's like, psych, nope, you don't lose it yet. So I was like, oh, shit. And so I'm like worried. I'm like, oh, am I going to be able to perform? Am I going to be embarrassed? What's going to happen? And uh, finally, we find a quiet place. And we finally don't have anyone bothering us and finally get to do the deed. But so that... Losing the virginity is not the interesting story, really, is so much as the fallout from it. So this is the only girl that I've ever been with. And two weeks later, we had hooked up maybe twice, two, three times, I think. We were hooking up at, like, lunchtime for, like, a week. And then the next week, basically, she sends me a text message and says, hey, Tim, we need to talk. I think it's worth mentioning that um, you were, like, three years younger than her or something, or four years younger. 
Yes, yes. She's a senior. I'm a freshman. So I'm like, whatever that is. So it's like a three-year difference. Um, and she's actually of age, and I'm a minor. So, Dude, why didn't we just but, call her her nickname by from the start? Hobbit girl. Hope <laughs> that's mom's word for her. I don't call her that. <laughs> anyway, she says, Tim, we need to talk. So I'm like, what's going on? She's like, I need to talk to you in person. So I meet up with her outside at Clovis High School. We're like outside by the cafeteria, and, and she says, here. And she hands me a piece of paper, and I open it up, and it's like lab reports from a medical facility. And it says a test, a bunch of tests for like a bunch of stuff like chlamydia, gonorrhea, HIV, um, like a bunch of different STDs. And all of them, it's like negative, negative, negative. I'm like, okay, okay. And then I get down to chlamydia and it says positive. And she says, I tested positive for chlamydia and I'm pretty sure that you gave it to me. (laughs) I was like, I immediately was like, I just laughed. I was like, you're the only person I've ever fucked. And you're trying to say that I might've given you chlamydia? I was like, uh, might be the other people that you're fucking. Uh, it's not me, though. You're the first person I fucked, so thanks for maybe giving me chlamydia. So this is embarrassing as fuck. I had to ask my mom to take me in to get tested for an STI for fucking STD. And guess who is the nurse checking me in for the STD test at the front desk? Who? Your mom. <laughs> fucking Angie. My goddamn aunt. My fucking aunt checks me in so I can get my dick swabbed at the fucking clinic. Whoa. It's fucking so embarrassing. And mom took me in for it. So mom is there and I'm there and it's Auntie Angie at the fucking counter. Oh my god. (laughs) It was a family reunion. That was the day Tim realized he liked midgets. (laughs) Auntie Angie's just like, can I pray for you? (laughs) I'm like, oh, fuck. (laughs) Oh my god. And then so shortly after I get a Q-tip in my dick hole and have to take a piss. So nothing is pleasant about all this. And not only that, I'm embarrassed. I'm humiliated. I had to ask my mother to take me to get an STD test. But so the good side of all this, I I was able to get a clean bill of health. I was able to get a printout of my lab results saying I was STI negative for all of the above. And so I brought that back to, what is her name? Clancy? (laughs) Damn. Um, Hobitch girl. Hobitch girl. No, no, I'm not going to call her that. Um, But anyway, so I bring it back to and I show it to her and I'm like, uh, so I definitely did not give this to you. And, and she's like, well, well, it had to be you. It had to be you. I was like, well, I don't know what to tell you. So I was like, just don't talk to me anymore. So I look, I look online a little bit and I come to find out she is engaged to a police officer. What? And she eventually, she sends me a message saying, I found out that my fiance has been cheating on me and he's been hooking up with a lot of other girls and I got infected by him. I was like, your fiance, she had a fiance the entire time and he was a police officer in Portela's. God damn. So the first girl I ever hooked up with was cheating on me with her fiance. What a plot twist. Yeah. And so I've had trust issues ever since and became a scumbag. You mean she was cheating on her fiance with you? Exactly. I thought I was being cheated on and it turns out that I was the ho-ass side piece. You played yourself. You thoughty. (laughs) I handed myself the hinges. I got played (laughs) like a little thought. While you were having this STD scare, I was balls deep in a team deathmatch game on Oracle, getting the game-winning snipe. You were killing it on Halo 2. Yeah, see, I, I like almost went pro in a game before I found pussy. I should have just never did it. <laughs> Do you think that pussy ruins some men's aspirations for like yep. domination? I think it does. It's so distracting. You need it, though. You need it, though. Oh, real quick, can we go back to uh, <laughs> Ryan's ball sack? Yeah, dude. No, actually, 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 speaking of ball sacks, let's talk about Tim's nut sack for a second here. Um, no. Uh, Tim's nut sack was once exposed to chemical warfare. 
You can't tell the whole story. <laughs> Describe He it. was in the military, and he left uh, underwear soaking in laundry detergent. And he wore it with a... Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I think I can tell the story a little more dramatically. <laughs> Basically, he has a baby soft nut sack skin now. That's all I'll say. But um, <gasps> go ahead and tell the story then, Tim. So... There was a time when I was in the Navy when, you know, laundry was a very difficult thing that you had to deal with. Yeah. Because we had the ship's laundry, but to do that, you had to put your laundry in in a giant sack with everyone else's. And men's and women's went into the same sack, and it was a very stinky situation. And usually your laundry would come back to you kind of smelling like other people's nut sweat and pussy sweat. And it just, yeah, like, so the ship's laundry was not good, essentially. That's the bottom line. So if you could avoid it, you don't want to put your laundry into the mass laundry with the rest of everyone's clothes. Mm -hmm. So in medical, we had a small laundry unit where we could, like, wash our own sheets and stuff. And so we would wash, like, our own uniforms when we were on duty. So once a week, or, you know, every four days when I was on duty, I would wash my laundry in the medical bay. And it was a small washing machine and it was just us. And we weren't some stinky fucks that worked on, you know, mechanic work and got sweaty. We were all fairly like not sweaty, stinky people. Yeah. So, so our washing machine was nice. And I I basically did my laundry and I thought it was perfectly fine. Put on some clean clothes, fresh out of the dryer. And I went about my day. So I used to wear basically kind of a little bit tight like boxer briefs, Ooh. a little risque. But so as I, as I went throughout the day, I didn't really notice anything, but I was kind of like feeling a little bit sweaty or something like kind of swampy downstairs more than normal. And it wasn't even hot. Totally ignored it. And I had to go to a training that lasted like two hours. And I was sitting in the training and I start to feel like a tingling, like a burning sensation on my balls. And I'm like, oh. Wow, I think I need to actually go take a look. So I go to the bathroom and I look inside my underwear and it's sudsed up. <gasps> There's bubbles. It's like soapy bubbles. They're all rainbowy, you know, like rainbow shine bubbles. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck? And I smell it and it smells like delicious mountain meadow. Like it smells like laundry detergent. And what I realized was that somehow one of the pairs of underwear that I had soaked with laundry detergent had gotten dropped off the side of the washing machine. And I think I had assumed it was washed already. (laughs) Toss that bitch in the dryer with the rest of it. So it dried out the detergent. And then I put on those dried out detergent underwear and I wore those dried out detergent underwear. And my sweat throughout the day slowly rehydrated the detergent and caused my skin to all get fucking inflamed with this chemical. Oh, chemical reaction. Dude, I'm talking six hours of constant contact with detergent. And so my skin was gone and my nuts inflamed to a big purple, like four inches in diameter, swollen, pulsing pain, just agony. I swear to you, I had to show my coworkers who are doctors and physicians assistants. I had to show them because I needed help. It was agony, dude. I was like, sir, I hate to say it, but I need you to look at my balls. (laughs) These are guys that I go to lunch with, you know, I go and eat lunch with these guys every day. But I had to say, Doc, I need you to look at my balls. And he said, no, it can't be that bad. You're being a big old baby. I pull out my balls and the physician's assistant says, oh, my God. <laughs> he, says, he says, Doc, Doc Santiago, get in here. <laughs> he has to call the surgeon in. He calls the fucking – he says, Doc, it's on. He calls all the other doctors from the medical clinic in to come look at my balls. And so all my coworkers are just in there marveling at how giant and purple my balls are. <laughs> They look like grommets balls from the McDonald's crew. They were very, very shiny, slick. All the skin was gone, so it was just the raw, pulpy flesh under the underneath the scrotal skin. 
fully exposed. Very McNugget-like. Yeah, yeah. So it was very meaty. If you can imagine what a ball sack looked like if you were to just skin it, it was skinned. A McNugget without the breading. Oh. And so, um, thankfully, I grew a new layer of skin uh, over a period of about three weeks. It was very painful. I was actually allowed to just lay around for three weeks. They didn't, no one told me anything. They just said, yeah, leave them alone. Just get your balls <laughs> out? Dude, no. And I, I wore a diaper made of, like, ice for a couple weeks. Like, it was very, very painful recovery. And, um, but I will say, after I recovered, my ball skin was brand new and i still to this day my ball skin is brand new it's very youthful and supple and soft so in the long run it was worth it it was like a total facelift you know the shit is silky smooth now and so i don't know if it was worth it the pain was agonizing it really was horrible man this is probably the most pain i've ever experienced and it lasted three weeks so it was not good it was not good and i wouldn't do it again but i'm grateful for it because i feel like i lost 20 years of ball skin 20 years of ball skin. Wow. This story has been brought to you by Senna Family Nutsacks. A hot topic on episode two of Planet Paradox. Anywho, fellas, we need to wrap this up. We've been going on for quite a while. Um, are there any closing thoughts you fellas would like to get across? If I just want to get in one quick serious topic, the psychology beat, you guys need to check out a guy named Jordan Peterson. He's That's right. That's right. Yeah, I'm not going to go on my pedestal and my soapbox too much, but this guy's great. He's got like a lot of stories where he kind of breaks down the reason why an archetypal story. So like a basic story of like the three little pigs can be so um, remarkable and memorable in our minds. It's because it teaches you a basic lesson. There's certain stories that teaches you a basic universal truth that we all feel and understand, but maybe we can't put it into words. And so Jordan Peterson is a master of putting into words the things that we all know and feel about how we interact with each other and how we learn and develop and how we socialize. So he's he's really good at breaking down all of that into like a really understandable pattern. And he does it through telling like a lot of really interesting stories. One of them is the story of Gilgamesh that he goes over. And, and that's sort of like a creation story. Uh, he goes over a lot of the different biblical stories and Tiamat and Abzu, the Anuma Elish, which is sort of the creation myth of the ancient Mesopotamians, which is the most ancient religion uh, ever created, ever, ever recorded that we've discovered so far so if you're into like theology and religion he's really good at tying all of that into psychology and why it's important that we keep a spiritual foundation even if maybe you're not spiritual or religious like i'm agnostic but i would consider myself spiritual and i think it's important to keep yourself connected to all of that do you listen to his podcast at all absolutely so most of jordan peterson's podcasts are actually lectures that he had previously recorded I thought so and they're, they're they're incredible they're incredible. And you can go through his archives and it's infinite wisdom that you can find through there. But I think if you had to start anywhere, check out his audiobook, 12 Rules for Life. And it's a, like a short, short listen. It's not really short. It's 27 hours. <laughs> <laughs> it's a concise a short 27 hours. <laughs> You'll get addicted. I swear to you. Once you once you hear, uh, give rule one through three a, a chance, and I think that you won't be able to stop. He has such a smooth, relaxing voice, too. For sure. And I want to talk about some of his thoughts. You know, you better fucking get into the belly of the beast, bucko. Is that how you think he sounds? (laughs) A little bit. (laughs) He he sounds like a slightly high-pitched, concerned grandpa. What are some of the, uh, the rules that he spoke of that really struck you? 
So I, I definitely can go over a couple that I can think of off the top of my head. One of them, stand up straight with your shoulders back. So on first glance, you're like, who gives a fuck? What does that have to do with being happy or successful or anything? It has a lot to do with it. There's a lot of neurochemistry that's involved with your stance and your posture. And he goes into all of this. He really supports each of his steps with neurochemistry and studies on and research on uh, cognitive behavior. So he's basing everything on this list off of concrete scientific studies. Yeah, he's not just pulling it out of his ass or anything. Right, right. You hear stand up straight with your shoulders back. Well, that just sounds something like an old fucking man would tell you. And he's an old man and he's telling you it. It's absolutely true. <laughs> But it's a fundamental truth, and that's what he's gotten down to. He's got 12 fundamental truths that even though they seem obvious on their face, they're not. They're not obvious, and you can apply them deeply. You know, So to stand up straight with your shoulders back is a statement on confidence and how you present yourself manifesting what is reality. So definitely whenever you go out into the world, the kind of person that you put out there is how people perceive you, for sure. You create the reality. Every word that you speak is the truth. And that's a lot of what they get at in the Bible is that the word is the truth. And they hint at the fact that vocabulary and vision are all means of manifesting reality. So the truth of the Bible really is that the word is the truth. And that is that what you say and what you see can have a very realistic effect on reality. Wow. You put that so well. I, I couldn't even imagine how he puts it. Mm -hmm. he, yeah, he's got it. <laughs> he's got it much more unlocked than I do. So Jordan Peterson, for anyone interested, check him out. Jordan Peterson. Love it. And I, I have checked him out myself. I've listened to him on the H3 podcast and he was phenomenal, but I've never actually listened to one of his lectures, but I do plan on checking it out. I've heard about him from multiple people. And so, yeah, I think it's worth a listen for sure. Yeah, his book, 12 Rules for Life, it's life-changing. I think just like how you had the four uh, agreements, it's on the lines of it's a life-changing text, and I think it's an introductory text as well. It only gets his toes in the water because he's he's got more complicated books like Maps of Meaning that I've read as well, and they're incredibly hard. Like, you have to reread the same paragraph five times before you kind of get what he's Whoa. getting at. It's not easy material. So I, I recommend sticking to his lighter, his lectures, his podcasts, and then, you know, 12 Rules for Life, great book. Check it out. I'm definitely going to check it out. Uh, and you, Riney, do you have anything you want to close on? No, not really, dude. Um, eat ass and take names and wear a face mask though. That's it. Take it easy, bro. <laughs> same. I am like kind of on the same wavelength. We went over many topics tonight and there's still many to discuss, but we will be back next week, ladies and gentlemen, for some more fuck fest fun times with your boys, Gilgamesh, Ryan Lyon and Paradox. Thank you guys for tuning in and thank you guys for being here with me. This was a blast. Yahoo. Bye.